0: This episode of the Half Price Concessions Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at Performance Center Racing Warehouse. Located in Statesville, North Carolina, Performance Center Racing Warehouse provides racers with just about everything you need to go asphalt late model racing, including being the home of the PRW chassis. From a full-blown fabrication shop to services that can help you get your race car reclipped if you've been in the wall one too many times, or you just need to get your racing program straightened out. Give Roger Johnson and the folks at Performance Center Racing Warehouse the chance to earn your racing business by calling them today at 704-838-1400 and visit them online at performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. What is going on y'all? Welcome to episode 10 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast featuring Kevin and Kyle Shipman. First and foremost, thank you to everybody and anybody who has listened to any of our episodes previously up to now, whether you've listened to them all or just one, every listen matters and we sincerely appreciate it from the bottom of our heart. Do us a favor and do yourselves a favor. If you like what you hear, and you're listening on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher, hit the subscribe button or the follow button so that you can get notified every time we put out new episodes. Because this is kind of a hobby deal, we're not doing this for a living or making any money out of it. Sometimes we'll put out two episodes in a week. Sometimes we'll go a week and a half without putting out an episode. The schedule is not set in stone or anything like that. So you want to hit that subscribe button so that you can get notified every time We put out a new episode, and you don't miss any of the cool stuff we talk about. And speaking of that cool stuff, first time in the podcast, we got 10 episodes before we got to it, two guests on this week's episode, Kevin and Kyle Shipman. Kyle Shipman is a third-generation drag racer who I actually went to high school with over Burlington Williams. His dad is Kevin Shipman, who is currently the general manager at Piedmont Dragway and has been involved in drag racing for quite some time. We talk all things Piedmont Dragway, we talk about bracket racing, which is something that I still have a lot to learn about, but you'll learn a lot by listening to this episode. We also talk about Sonny Shipman, Kevin's dad, Kyle's granddaddy, who kinda got the family into drag racing and actually made drag racing history as being one of the first African-American officials involved in drag racing. He's actually a member of the North Carolina Drag Racing Hall of Fame which we get into that and so much more on this episode. Episode 10 of the Half Price Concessions podcast, Kyle and Kevin Shipman from Piedmont Dragway is coming your way here in just a few moments. So in the tower at Piedmont Dragway and I'm surrounded. First time I've had two guests on at once, Kevin, and Kyle Shipman, pretty appropriate. We're here at Piedmont Dragway, uh, where Kyle. I know you race now, and Kevin, yeah. you too busy to race in the first place. You too busy making sure that yeah. everybody's getting along all right. Mm-hmm. So even right off the bat, when you when you are here like you are, and you see Kyle, you know running and whatnot, do you even have time to go over there and like get a word in with him or say hey or anything, or are you? So busy making sure everything else and no fires is going or anything like crazy Do you even have time
1: to to go over there and catch a break with him? Yeah, sometimes we'll talk and uh, Like I'll watch him run and uh, I try to not get too involved because of the competition side But if I see him I think he's doing something stupid or going the wrong way I might say, you know, hey this this might be something else you want to do or sometimes just seeing another set of eyes because One thing he does that I'm real proud of is uh, it's just him and uh, our crew chief, Donald Powell. And sometimes Donald can't make it, so he does a lot of it on its own when Donald's not here. So he doesn't have anybody to look at the car from behind and tell him, well, it's done this or you lined up this way. So I'll say a few things to him and, you know, just give him some encouragement. But I try not to ever talk to him about his opponents or anything like that because I got a lot of, you got a you got a
0: knowledge that no one else has. You right. see everybody. I,
1: I kind of <laughs> tell people around here I'm kind of like your hairdresser, you know where everybody else don't know what you got. <laughs> I know what you got.
0: That's
2: that's a pretty. Good I know answer. when to stay away too, cause he'll you know when I do something I know what he's thinking in this tower. Yeah. So a lot of times I will just stay in the trailer. <laughs> Can you just like see and then, his eyes? And peering Yeah, at and you. this is when he pulls the, the the track manager card. I hear it over the over the intercom. Kyle Shipman, please come to the tower. Kyle I'm like, oh,
0: man. Like You're back in school. You yeah. got to call the principal's office. I'm like, oh, boy, what's going on? Yeah. As long as you ain't acting too big a fool. If you don't no. get in a big old fight in the water box no. or something crazy. No, no. You know what's crazy about that is nobody has
2: ever tried me like that. Um,
0: you think it would kind of incentivize
2: me because they're like, have, well, what's
0: he going to do? Well,
2: there have been times where people kind of, draw a correlation between my dad running the track and what i do here um there was a year where i was winning races i won like what five or six races in one year i I won half the races in one year and people just thought that he was somehow manipulating systems and we got he was prepping the track special for you yeah but it's like man dude at the end of the day when we pull up i gotta beat you and you gotta beat me there's really no secret to what I'm doing. You yeah. know what I mean? A lot of guys caught on, and so it made me change my game up. But other than that, nobody's ever really, you know, as much as I begged them, hey, if you got a problem, come to me. Don't go yeah. to Pops. He's running the track.
0: He They don't the, they don't seem to hear it.
2: They don't seem to hear that. They just want to go and, you know, do a little track gossip. But uh, that's
0: uh, what it is. You know what? Uh, it's all a part of it. But you know what? It's a pretty cool thing because I know a lot of guys – especially in my age bracket that would kill to have something in common with their dad to talk about and stuff. Right. And and you guys have that. Mm-hmm. And even though you know it's the other stuff we kinda of poke fun of in light of, it's it's pretty cool you guys have something like this in common, but not not everybody does and not yeah. everybody lives
2: close and enough to where they
1: can that. And it's like not
2: this. even just the driving and being a, a racer aspect of it. I'm learning the business, you know. I was brought into the business of drag racing before I was brought into, actually, drag racing. Yeah. Um. So it's funny because I started out working here, and then... What did you do? Uh. Well, it's a funny story. Um. I would come, I was, you know, I still do the part-time DJing thing every now and again. Well, back then, I just kind of started out doing it. I started getting these little CDs made from me from my aunt in Fayetteville. She'd send them to me, and I'd play them, and then, you know dad said you know hey we want some music so i'd come up here on thursday nights after school he would pick me up and i'd come up here and would just play music during you know the off times when there was oil down or somebody had something happen so whatever was going on i'm playing music well then i started off doing that i'm like 14 15 years old about the time i turned 15 we pull up and i'm thinking it's the same thing and uh this guy that used to work here named Johnny C. comes up and he says, hey, you got to put Kyle in the water box. He's like, what? He's like, you got to put Kyle in the water box. Such and such quit. So the guy, oh. Yeah, the guy had quit that day. Yeah. And you remember, we went to high school together. You yeah. remember when we were that age, or at least what I was wearing long baggy white tee, baggy jeans with sneakers and all that good stuff. Now, imagine that kid in the water box telling cars when to start their burnout and all that stuff. But I started doing that, and then um, eventually I just kind of worked my way into um, being in the staging lanes, which, you know, I it to me, being in the staging lanes of a racetrack is one of the more important places you could be other than actually on the starting line. Is that where you're getting a, you're getting a good education? Yeah, absolutely. Get a good education. It helps out a lot because, you know, I said I said it a couple years ago. You know, when things break down on the racetrack and the things don't go my way, I can't come up to the tower and cuss out the man in charge because
0: yeah, the man in charge. By the way, way I'll see you.
2: Thanksgiving. <laughs> by the way, I'll see you. You know, tomorrow when you pick up my son or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that. So, um, whenever I go somewhere else, you know, it kind of helps to know kind of the basics of how people want a race to be run because you know if. You know, somebody who hasn't seen that side of it, they get called to the staging like boom. That's the first thing they're doing. They're jumping in their car, they're taking off, and they're going to the staging lanes. Me, I'm gonna sit back a little bit because that first call, homeboy, there's gonna be two more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. just sit back, take your time, feel it out, make sure everything's right. So when you get up there to the staging lanes, you're not fumbling around like some guys I see looking for the racing jacket or they left their helmet or oh my gosh, who checked yeah. the racing tires before we went up there? You know, just make sure everything you got everything done
0: before you get to the staging lanes. And Kev you, you you had to get that education a different way because I know you wasn't as far as I know you wasn't always a race official there was a time when you was just a participant mm-hmm. then you got in on the side of being on the other side of the curtain where you got to make sure everybody else is getting their fair shake so you, you got that education in a in a pretty different way I'd say.
1: Yeah um, I started out when my dad owned Roxboro Dragway and when he owned Roxboro I'd work there because he, at the same time, he opened up Downtown Sports Club in Burlington. So here he is running a nightclub and a dragway, and I'm 16, so I can't work at the nightclub. He says, well, you go to the drag strip and run the drag races for me. So back then, it was a whole lot different, plugging up everything, and getting it ready and all. i get it ready, and we'd race. Well, then I left and went to Atlanta, and when I came back, he had sold his racetrack, and Jim Turner owned Piedmont, he wanted me to come and help him work, so... I started working and I worked for about five or six years and then something just dawned on me. And I said, well, I want to race now. Yeah. So um, I went to my dad and he had a 68 Dodge Polara. I went in his office. I said, Dad, you mind if I take your Polara and go to Farmington and run in the team race? He said, nope, <laughs> and I said, okay, no, so I left. There you Went go. Went back in my office and I didn't think nothing about it. Well, he, didn't, he
0: didn't go with you, did he? That no. Was just, no, you're good to go, but you're going on your own. Yeah,
1: he's, he didn't use his car. So, <laughs> that's because he said, that's a classic antique, so next thing I know, he then called and bought a 70 Duster, so I started racing that, and when I could, you know, having fun, I'm still working at Piedmont, and then I kind of semi-retired from Piedmont and I started running the IHRA circuit, Kyle was about 11 when we done that. We ran all over the country. We went to Michigan, Ohio, and everywhere. Back then, it was pretty fun. You know, we had good times and I'd always say a race would break out about Sunday because it was a big old cookout and <laughs> camping. Just
2: a, just a big old family reunion every yep. weekend. <laughs> so
1: you weren't going to go hungry. You knew no. it all. There was, it was enough had, people yeah.
2: there
0: cooking, you weren't going what to With go a side hungry.
2: of drag racing every yeah. now and again. <laughs> There's only
1: one rule, bring your own beverage. Because I got hooked up with the guys from Louisiana one time. I about died. The Cajun stuff was so well, hot. they had some jalapeno moonshine oh, or something. God. It was... <laughs> It was so hot. I about died between the food and what they was drinking. I said, uh-uh. I ran back to the trailer to get me a Pepsi or something because they was about to kill me. Hey, that's, that's good stuff,
0: That's good stuff though.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's fun. We had, had some good times. and then uh, after Dad passed away, I decided I really didn't want to drive no more. It's kind of drag racing is so fast and things happen so fast that you don't have like in circle track where you say, okay, I messed up in turn one. I'll get him back on the next lap. You got thousands of a seconds you're dealing with. And Kyle will tell you, if your head ain't there, you ain't going to win. Yes. And so I just didn't feel like I would, because when my dad was alive and I raced, you know, I was a wild card. I didn't bring nothing back but the steering wheel. I didn't care. Yeah. But then after I became the one of the responsible adult. The one paying the bills. Yeah, there and, you go.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, mm. now I'm hearing every nut and bolt and rattling. And <laughs> he'll tell you the first time he ever drove. Well, he wanted to drive. And he said, down on drive. I said, okay. And he didn't have no good schoolwork, <laughs> terrible grades. So I said, nope, can't drive till you bring me some good papers. So he came back, had some good grades. I said, okay, bring your helmet to the track. So we got here, and you know, in drag racing, we do a burnout, yeah. and then you pull up to the line and race. So he said, you want me to do a burnout? I said, heck no, don't do no burnout, just drive around that and get out there and hit it. <laughs> yeah. So it was. You know, I didn't really think he was going to do a whole lot. Well, he hit it, and he went everywhere but straight. He was all over the place, but he made it down through there.
0: Huh?
1: Well, then he came back, and I put my hand on his heart. His heart was beating real fast, and I said, Well, looks like you know what to do when it goes wrong. Now we'll do a burnout and show you how to do it right. And ever since then, he's been driving. Man. Except for his one day with Roy Hill drag racing school. Okay. Oh, He'll tell you yeah. that story. Roy yeah.
2: Hill. <laughs> do you know who Roy Hill is? Yeah, I've seen it on advertising. Okay, and stuff, well, where. Roy Hill... The man in the ads and on the social media is not Roy Hill, the man in person. Oh, okay. okay? Well, now I saw a watered-down I, version. I yeah, didn't see really. very watered-down. Roy is 120 proof, okay? <laughs> so, basically what happens is I was like 16, and Roy Hill had struck a deal up with Kirk Bush, right? With that, the NASCAR guy. Yeah, with Kirk Bush at one point. Where Kirk Bush, you know, he was trying some drag racing, didn't do that great at it, um... First go around, well, he was he okay.
1: he run, run pro stock. He, all right. he he run
2: pro stock, but it was...
0: Uh... He was coming from a different
2: world. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one race ain't enough to cut it. You know what I'm saying? I'd like to see him get at least five races. Five races, you'll get it. It's, yeah. it's easy money. Um, but they had this Camara that they were working on. And uh, it was for Kurt Busch to race it. And something happened. I don't know. And if you know Roy Hill, he knows he gets fed up and he will just be done. Yeah. So they're working on this car, doesn't go right, boom, it's over, he's done. Meanwhile, 16-year-old me is sitting in the car getting ready to go make my run. And we have the blue blower, it's a fan that cools off the radiator and the engine sits in front of the car. And That's I'm, $99, it by the way. It costs $99. There's the, there's
0: the car owner over there it, telling yeah, me how much it
2: costs. It costs about $12 now. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, I, I know it's in front of the car. So I see Dad go... To the front of the car and in my mind I'm thinking to myself oh gosh I'm in the car I'm strapped in I got to get this blower so I'm getting ready to undo my seatbelts to go get this blower out of the way before I pull off I see dad go to the front of the car dip down and then walk back so I'm thinking okay he just got the blue blower yeah. no problem I can pull on I pull off and I make it about up here to the tower and I look in my rear view mirror I see dad I see Roy Hill I see two guys from Roy Hill's crew Running behind me, flagging me down, waving their arms.
0: Hey, stop right there! Stop! They,
2: they weren't coming to congratulate. You. No, I stopped, pull out, look. I didn't drug the blower all the way up.
1: <laughs> That's when Roy looked at me and he said, "What's wrong with that boy?"
2: Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then, and then I try, and then Dad comes to me, and obviously Dad is just.
1: One of, fav- one of my favorite, one
2: of my favorite commentator words is incensed. Okay, mm. he was incensed and beside himself, yeah. going after me, and I'm trying to explain to him what I just explained to you. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to hear no, your explanation. No, I'm 16, so it's coming out as I, all. This attitude. first time
1: I heard about this part.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah, I'm 16. <laughs> this is all attitude coming from me at this point. Well, I guess Roy Hill heard it and. Roy Hill told Dad, basically, if I had a kid and he got out of that car and and did that to me, he would not be driving anything Uh anymore. So Dad basically tells Roy, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, have at it. So he comes over there, and Roy at this time is about 65 years old, Mm -hmm. and he challenges me to a game of slaps. You know, you put your hands up and you try to slap Never play an
0: old man in slaps. Man, he sits
2: there and he's talking to me, and obviously this is the edited version because... Yeah. You can think of the most southern football coach cursor in America. Major League cuss. And you will never be talked to the way I was talked to during that game of slaps. He's sitting there looking at me dead in my eyes and saying, come on, son, I'm a 65-year-old blank year old man. Blank, 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 blank. You can't yeah. hit me, blank, blank. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I can't hit him. No. I can't hit him. He said, now, what I just taught you, was how to get in somebody's head and drag race. He said, you could be a good racer, but you just got to slow down and make sure you got everything right. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about slowing down. And then after that, he took me over. He showed me how to do one of them big old pro stock burnouts where I'm going through three gears during the burnout. Dad's cringing because I'm winding the motor up. Yeah. And I'm fine and just basically got a free lesson in the Roy Hills Driving School, which is what people basically pay thousands of dollars to do. You know, and uh, Roy probably is going to kill me because I told this story, but it's okay. You know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would, it wouldn't be the first time he
0: got after me a little bit. <laughs> See, you, you almost don't, from the outside, I totally didn't even think about how mental drag racing has to be. Because like you said, Kevin, you only have X amount of seconds. You don't, it's not like circle track where you can miss a corner and you mean be like, well, I'll get it the next lap. You don't have any laps. You have that straight asphalt to go hit. And you ain't got no time, so you got to. Is there is is there a lot of gamesmanship? Did you do gamesmanship in your time? Oh yeah,
1: I had one guy that uh, I had beat him every time. Uh, he, he was good, you know. He's a good guy, but I was like in drag racing. You kind of say, okay, if you beat a guy like two or three times in a row, you know it's coming. Kind of like football, you know. You do. I done yeah. I done beat this guy this team five times. I know it's coming. Well, this old guy he me we run and. Uh, I went the opposite way on the head games. What I did was we got we went Virginia, and we pulled in the staging lanes, and we were paired together for first round. And I didn't even say nothing. I'm down there messing with my car, and I know who I got, and I'm just ain't saying nothing. He looks at me, he says he says what he thought. He said, "I'm gonna get you this time, Shipman." <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, okay, Ronnie, whatever you say." So, and I kind of racing you get a head start. So he was giving me the head start. Okay. So. I took off and we're running a quarter mile. So I got a little more time to think. I took off and I was like, mm, I didn't have a very good light. And then I see him take off in my rearview mirror and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then I kind of racing. If you run too fast, it's called a breakout. Yeah. So if you catch somebody, you got to slow down a little bit to make it tight. You gotta give some back. He yeah. didn't get nothing, but he went by <laughs> me like a house. He freight trained me, basically. <laughs> he went by me, still going, and my wind light came on. And I was laughing all the way to the scales and I lined it because every time you run, you go to the scales if you win. So I'm pulled to the scales, and he's pulled beside the scales because he didn't win, hoping that I'm light. And I yeah. ain't light, so he's looking <laughs> at me bad. I finally, I just got, when I got to my pit, and he was hiding, he went on down his way, I just screamed out laughing. It was so funny.
0: <laughs> See, I don't think a lot of people would know that because I think most most people from the outside that don't know no better, they just think, all right, whoever got to the line first and that's whatever. But like what you're talking about, and Kyle, you can elaborate on it, y'all style of racing, it's, it's, it's a little different because you've got so many different kinds of cars and stuff. It's not like top NHRA where you got pretty much everybody's on a sort of level playing field. It's, it's a whole different kind of game.
1: Yeah, in class racing, uh, which I was running Stock Eliminator and Super Stock, what they do basically is they tell you, okay, you can have a period correct car like a 1974 Plymouth Duster. And they say, back in 1974 the Plymouth Duster came with a 360 engine, a 340 engine, maybe a 318. Well, they say you can have that engine, you can modify it to our specification, you got to have the same carburetor and then they take the factory shipping weight and make you weigh a version of what the car is supposed to weigh mm-hmm. and then they tell you what kind of time it should run if they say okay that car should run in f-stock automatic it should run 1250 so most of the time if you've done anything to your car you can run probably a half a second under if you're real fast you can run a second under well what they do is is if you have to run another car that's in your class you run heads up, which is first one to the finish line wins. Yeah. But if it's another car in a different class, that's when you get to do this, what we call bracket racing, where you, like I might dial 11 flat, say I can get there in 11 seconds. You say you can get there in 12 seconds. I'm going to give you a one-second head start and try to beat you to the finish line and not go under 11. It's kind of like going to the gas station and saying, I ain't got but 20 bucks and don't look at the pump and pump until you think it's at 20. And, and let off.
0: You gotta take an educated guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: that's yeah.
2: what we do. Hard to say. That's... And it gets to the point where you know, it, it, you know, a lot of the best drag racers, the best bracket racers, there ain't no guessing to it. You know, it's just like in round track. If you go to a certain track, you see the same guys dominate a certain track every single time. Yeah, no one, no
0: one wins out of nowhere.
2: R- right. You know, they do their homework. They've got it ready. As soon as they get to that track, boom, they're ready to go. Same thing with us. I've got countless logbooks, can't find them all, but I've got a bunch of logbooks back there with specific weather, humidity, uh, temperature, uh, even down to water grains, which I don't even know what that does to my car, but I've got the information wrote down, how much water grains and vapor pressure and uh, barometric pressure and density altitude and all this stuff, and then boom, it tells me exactly what I ran in that same weather. So if I come in up here next year in 2020 and I fall into a, uh, a day where it's, 69 degrees Fahrenheit and 79% humidity, uh, a 30.03 barometric pressure, I can go to that book and say, okay, boom, this is what my car is supposed to run. And if everything's right, which generally it is because it's a very low-maintenance thing I'm doing, I got it. And I go out here, and it's going to run within a thousandth of the number. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's... it's Quite the scientist. Yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of number crunching, a lot more into it. You know, that's why I always say, you know, I have no problem with heads up racing I have no problem with grudge racing I have no problem with no prep racing street outlaws whatever brings eyes to the sport of drag racing yeah. you know what I'm saying um it's, street
0: outlaws uh, things seems to be
2: the latest kind of yeah gift. and it's it you know I compare I, he'll tell you you know because we talk a lot about the business side of drag racing too I compare you know this is an entertainment thing you know when yeah. you think about it it's sports entertainment
0: yeah, it's just like everything that's turned It's just, just like, it's just like
2: wrestling. You know, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so I go down the list. I say, listen, I said, back in the day, you had your, your Coco Beware, and you had your Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that's yeah. the guy with the parrot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you had your Junkyard Dogs, and then coming on up, people said, hey, we want something different. So you bring on the attitude there. So now you got your Stone Colds, you got your Rock, you got your Triple H. So then people say, hey, I want something different. Boom, here comes ECW. Yeah. Right now, ECW would be the street outlaws because yeah. they're basically hated by everybody. I don't know why. Like I said, you bringing money to your racetrack, I'm all for it.
1: But oh, The, the purists don't like yeah. them, but the TV viewers love them. Like, yeah. when I have street, I've had a street outlaw, a couple of the personalities here. Uh, one year we had uh, Doc and Monza. Were they, they like shooting for TV or they just came no? Here to they race? they called me. They do like a little barnstorming thing because they're from Oklahoma. They
2: get paid to yeah. make test laps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't that's call pretty good. It like it is. it's yes. pretty good deal. It's a beautiful life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they called me up and he said, uh, Doc called me. He said, Hey man, we're in uh, we're in Richmond and we're going to be there Friday night. What do you think about coming to Piedmont on Saturday? I said, Heck yeah, come on. Because the deal that they made with me was a pretty reasonable deal. So. I really, gate-wise and everything, I I had prepared myself for maybe about 2,000 people. Man! <laughs> What'd it end up being? Oh, we had about 4,500. <laughs> Good. <laughs> they were lined up to the golf I course showed up. and past the fire station. I showed up yeah. and I
2: said, hey, so what kind of security we got? And here the other guy sit here and they go, well, yeah, we don't need no security. I was like, do what? And he's like, we don't need no security. I was like, dude, I've literally been all over this town and all I've heard is about docking and Monza coming here. And we actually raced that night in the 749 category because they had other races Man, going that was on.
1: Biggest field, we 40 cars. Man, wow. I started
2: my burnout in the burnout box, and when I started my burnout, there were so many people <laughs> I couldn't even see the guys taking off in front of me. Like some, this looks like it sounds mm-hmm. like some out of Fast and Furious. Man, straight, oh, it was. It exactly. was. And, and look, when I, it was like the red sea part, and when I started my burnout, those people would open up. And then just go on through. I'd go on through, and then I would look behind me. They would close right on in. Yeah. And you know, it's That's almost you know, you, you would think it's some anxiety to it, but it's really not because at the end of the day, man. A wise man once said, he said, you know, what do I do if these people don't get out of the way? And his crew chief come over the radio and said, they don't get out of your way, you drag them to the three thirty. We're running for hundred thousand dollars. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it gets pretty nerve wracking because it's like uh, it's like teeing off at Augusta and all those people, yeah.
0: But I'm not a pro golfer, I'm me, (laughs) so I'm gonna take out all them people. It kind of makes me think of something Richard Petty said. Richard Petty did an interview where he said at a certain point, people stopped coming for a race and came for a and started
1: coming for a show, exactly, not just circle trackers,
0: drag racing too, exactly.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's always and and this year in big dog we actually changed things a little bit we used to do where you qualify you got eight cars that qualify so then one runs eight two runs seven all the way down and you're on the ladder well we changed it up this year we did a little little street Outlaws thing we said okay the eight qualifiers bring them up to the starting line and we're going to draw chips and so number one might run against number two happened several times Mm -hmm. eight might run against seven so like if you're Number eight qualifier, and you've been struggling. You don't have. You may not have to run that number one guy, who's the baddest one here. You might get get lucky and run somebody else. Now, I don't know if I'm gonna do that this year or not. We
0: did they not like that too much? Oh, they
1: loved it. They, oh, they the did. See, I would think it. they'd be like the purists and be like, "Oh, that's not the way you do." Some things. of them the purists were, but the drivers were like, "Well, you know, we got to run them anyway." So, yeah. and it actually turned out in in the favor. Of, we had some pretty good drama. The race before the last one there was a guy leading the points and he had a dominating lead and he ended up qualifying where the guy right behind him had to run in first round. Well, huh. Brian Schrader won the race. So now he's leading the points. So we get to the last race and uh, Burlington's Travis Harvey yeah. is in second place. And he comes to me, he says, Kevin, the only way I got a chance of winning the championship is I got to draw Brian Schrader first and win the race. And he said, what do you think Brian will do if I just call him out? I said, He's going to look at you like you're stupid. Yeah. He's going to run you. Yeah. Well, you know what happened? <laughs> he that, drew it. He drew him. Nice. Lo and behold. And yep. they had to run, and it was the best run of the year. Travis won that round, but ended up losing the race. So Brian still won the championship, but it was pretty cool. Just a, just,
2: yeah. just a little ad for you. If you want to see all that, there's a video on NC Pro Modder. Look up NC Pro Modder on YouTube and Facebook. That every that story he just told, yeah. there was a whole video for
0: it. See, I got fascinated A second ago, you was talking about this notebook that you have to have for the weather temperature, the weather, the temperature, the Mm -hmm. humidity, all that stuff. Well, let me ask you this: Yeah, if someone comes in here, if I brought someone to big dog that's never been to a drag race, right? And they look out there and they say, oh, you're just going in a straight line." I got the weather part, Mm -hmm. but as far as like when you come up on the track, what are you having to look for as far as the track conditions that affect? how you have to fine tune your race car like, well what are what are for me? At
2: it? for me and dad can elaborate more on the guys with the big motors and the pro mods and the big dogs and stuff like that for me it's more about tires um as far as you know when you're bracket racing i've been beat by a car that runs 520s in the eighth of a mile at 117 mile an hour i've been beat by a dodge neon that runs sixty-five mile an hour an eighth of a mile. So as far as bracket racing is concerned, it's not really, you know, what you can tune to the weather. For me, the track condition is everything. Um, because I run a small tire. You know, you hear guys talk about big, big tires tire versus small, small tire. tire. I'm a small tire guy.
0: Um, is that like so a little closer to what you would drive on the street? Yeah, sort it's of a, of not. Is. Right
2: now, I'm running a nine and a half inch tire. It's still slick. Yeah, it's yeah. a slick, but it's nine and a half inches. Um, Basically, just because you know, if we wanted to do some cutting and welding and whatnot, we could get a bigger tire. But right now, the big tires ain't gonna fit under my car, it's not really a problem. Um, but you know, certain you know, when you come to Piedmont, and this is not a plug or anything, this is just the honest truth. When you come to Piedmont, you know, your car's gonna hook. You know, Leon on the starting line, and my dad and his guys do a great job of. You know, during downtime, they drag the track. They're always making sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. You see guys coming up here walking on the track, making sure it's good. You can hear their shoes sticking to the track, and that's good for a small tire guy. That's great. Not gonna name any names, but I've been to other places where you see the tractor one time before you start running, and then you don't see it again. He's gone for the night, and he's gone for the day. And you know, when you've got a big tire. That's not a problem because that big tire, it gives them more room. Um,
0: it can compensate, it yeah. can
2: compensate for the lack of you know, traction there is on the track by the time the sun goes down. But for you, it's But everybody. for me, I have to start taking into account, okay, have they drugged the track? If you got somebody with you, you, know, this is when it's good to have somebody with you because even though I'm great by myself, I'm even better with somebody with me because somebody who's with me can go up there on the track They'll, you'll see guys walking around on the track on the starting yeah, they, line. They, they
0: kind of plant their yeah, foot to exactly. so get a feel.
2: Yeah, to see where that traction is. And there have been times where you know we get up there and there's absolutely nothing up there. You know, so then that gets relayed back to me. And depending on where I'm at, if I'm at the pits and somebody's been up there, which never happens because we're never that coordinated. Now, you got to be in the Well So if I'm back in the pits and I can get that message, hey, there's no traction up there, they ain't drug it, there's nothing going on, I'm on a small tire, okay, maybe I can add some weight to the trunk. To load to load up that the back half of the car, get it I, did not, I did not know y'all could add weight. I, I thought can. you just
1: had to make weight. No, so I can't. Can. Me,
2: see, I don't get into all One that.
1: We Move weight around. is yeah. what we do.
2: Okay. Yeah, we move it around. It's a weight distribution thing. So you
0: don't have that in no other racing. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, it's you got to meet a total weight spec. And a left weight spec and a kind of a ratio. Yeah. I did not know that y'all could, well, for, you could kind of to play with how yeah, the track. When is you going. get
2: into more sanctioned racing, when you get into NHRA and IHRA and actually running those sanctioned races, yes, you have to weigh a certain thing. Um Big Dog, I'm pretty sure has to weigh a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um the kind of racing I do, the weight doesn't matter. You okay. know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, if I'm running seven forty nine, um, I gotta be the first one to the finish line without going under seven forty nine. Doesn't matter how I got there. Just can't have no nitrous. Can't have this. A little specific. You can have nitrous. You can have nitrous. Yeah. Oh, we ain't worried about that. No, no. now we know
0: something else to, yeah.
2: to buy on the I'm not season. getting no nitrous because we're going to blow it up the first chance we yeah. get. Oh, so then, you know, or maybe, you know, seven flat where, you know, now you can add a throttle stop, which is just a whole nother podcast in itself to yeah. talk about that kind of stuff. Um, But for me, it's all about the tires. You know, the traction. You know, I can... Take some, I could take some air out of my tires and run them at a lower, uh, 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 lower pounds. Um, raise them up if I think I got a whole lot of traction, add weight, um, just line up differently. That's as far as I go on the uh, fine tuning. There really is no real fine tuning. Hmm. Um, when
0: you get into the bigger classes, that's where, that yeah. Well,
2: the, like, the thing about see the only bit of fine tuning I really do it as far as the engine is concerned. Um, we do what's called index racing, which we leave like a heads-up tree. So it's three ambers. It's boom, boom. It's a pro tree, just like you see on TV. Boom, boom. There we go. And then we leave at the same time, but you got to be the first one to the finish line without going under 7 flat or under 749, which is what I do. Um, we do have some things in the engine going on. I'll say we got a restrictor plate. It's an adjustable one. We yeah. get that to a certain turns that we like it depending on the weather. So I might go back and look at the weather and say, okay, we had this weather last uh, last year around the same time, and we put ten turns into it. We close it off ten turns. See what we got. Okay, we might be a little fast. We might be a little slow. If we're a little fast, we'll open it back up a little bit more, maybe a quarter turn at a time. If that doesn't, if we're too slow or if we're uh, too fast, we'll come back and say, okay, we'll add some weight to it or move some weight around. We might even throw a seat, a passenger seat, in there. Who knows? It just depends on what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a first class education. Man, I did it's, not it's, know all this. Stuff. It's a it's, <laughs> it's a job, man. It's a job. That's what I think. See the difference between round tracking and you know I don't understand the wedge tape thing. Yeah, the grill tape and the the wedge and all that stuff. I play, play with it. the track bar. Yeah, and, and I'm like, like, dude, how you can adjust a car that much in ten seconds? Y'all go see a dirt light model, man. <laughs> we got they got
0: a hundred adjustments on that.
2: Thing. I'm into round tracking, man. man. I love it. I really do. I, we watch it every Sunday, but I just. I don't have the time it's, to go to like a Speedway anymore. You know, I used to go there all the time. I took the, uh, I
1: didn't, I did the Richard Petty driving experience. Uh, was that fast enough for you? Oh yeah, I hadn't been that fast in my life because most time my my car runs like 125 and a quarter. Which my thing is is when you leave the starting line, it goes up in the air. That's where you get your thrill because I'm doing big wheel stands. He does big wheel stands. That's where it's fun. But like for that thing, it was kind of a funny story because. I couldn't do it in Charlotte, so I finally got to do it in Vegas. So I went, we went okay. to Vegas on vacation, and so we get to the Richard Petty Driving School. Well, the only schools I ever know about was Roy Hill School. Yeah, and in the Roy Hill School. School, he spends a half a day talking to you about drag racing and the cones and everything. <laughs> so I'm thinking that's what's going to happen at the Richard Petty School. So I told my wife then, I said, uh... I'm not going to tell these people I know anything about racing because then they'll think I know I'm a hothead and they're going to expect more out of me. So we go in there and sit down and they play a videotape for us for like 10 minutes talking about Richard and Kyle and all that. And I said, okay, that's good. Then I figured, well, they're going to get us in a van and take us around the track and show us stuff. This guy walks out and he says, hi, I'm Mike. I'm your crew chief. I said, hi, Mike. (laughs) He says, here we go. We've got these lines painted on the curves. When you go around the corners, keep your car in those lines. That was a call, gates. Yeah, you're going to have I a said, hand. gates, okay. And then he said, we're going to have a cone at the start of the turn. That's where you let off. And then when you get to the end of the turn, there'll be a cone. That's where you take off. Okay. Then they said, any questions? raise my hand. They said, what's your question, sir? I said, I need a bigger driving suit. This was too tight. Oh. <laughs> uh- so they said, well, you want it to be tight. I said, I don't.
0: <laughs> no, because
1: no, you're a little too yeah. much there. So I got in, The they pulled the cars out, and they told us, of course, you know, you're a big guy like I am. Yeah. And they said, we got a car for the little guys. We got a car for the mediums. And then they got a car for Your us. Your car back here. Yeah. They, mine was a 22, Joy Logano. So That's sure cool. enough, they pulled me out, and they said, OK. Strapped me, got me in there and plus I got through that little window. I couldn't believe I'd done that. But I got in and then the guy saying, Reach down there and get your crotch strap. And that's the thing between, your legs. between your legs. I reach and I can't get no farther in my belly. I said, We got enough friends, why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me for a second. I said, We ain't going nowhere till you get yeah. it, because I can't reach no farther than the steering wheel. Yeah. So they got me in there and I'm making my laps. You know, these guys in front of me, they were all had to chest thumb, how fast they're gonna go. So we get out there, and I'm just riding along behind the guy, bum, 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 bum. So they finally let him drop down. And I passed him. Then I went on down. I had the guy away on me, and I caught him, and I passed him. And so when I got back to the pits, the guy said, oh, man, you did great. You did 145. I said, okay, that's good. And so uh, my wife was sitting in the pit box, and she said, uh, she said, honey, they were looking at you racing, and they were like, man, he is flying. Yeah, he I knows said, what he's doing. Yeah, he's not out said, here butt-putting. Yeah, and they said, well, what, where did he come from? And she said, well, he's an old drag racer. And they all threw to him. and said, well, no wonder. He didn't tell <laughs> yeah. nobody. Because yeah. I told him he drove like an oversized go-kart as far as I knew. Yeah, yeah that, bang, that thing's big and heavy. It's yeah. so much different than but, what you guys are used man. to. Getting back to, like, the faster cars, uh, if you look at drag racing with the faster cars, the Top Fuel, uh, Funny Car, Pro Stock, even our big dogs, what, we're, what they're trying to do is they're, they're spinning all the way down the track. They're just trying to control the spin. It's a Hmm. controlled spin. When Kyle runs his car, it dead hooks. Hmm. Bam, it's gone, and it's going to not spin. If he spins, it's a problem. These guys want to control that spin, and the way they control it is by their computer and how much uh, timing they put in it or take out of it, when to throw the nitrous to it, because they'll put, like, two kits on it. When they say kits of nitrous, that means extra horsepower, like fast and furious. They'll do two of them before the 60-foot light. Geez, that's
0: quick. Yeah, they go bam, bam on the phone. Yeah, because yeah. half track. What's half track? Half uh, track's
1: three thirty. Yes, I mean by three thirty, they got everything they got turned on yeah. and even more.
2: Three thirty, they just basically cruising. Mm-hmm. It's a good time from there. I mean, cruising in a matter of perspective, but yeah, they yeah. just yeah.
1: they turn it all on as soon as they can, and then you got the blower cars, which don't have nitrous, but they can kind of ramp their power up a little, a little more of a progressive type of thing. So everybody goes out there, and and it's gotten to where now. The big money in racing even on the local level like big dog is your crew chief because you got to be able to drive. Driving's important, but then you've got to have that man that knows how to get on that laptop because everybody out there now has a laptop and they got all the wheel speed sensors, they got drive shaft sensors, they got G meters that measure how many Gs. It sounds like NASA. It is basically it's basically
0: they're
2: rocket scientists and, they're rocket,
1: <laughs> and they sit there and they figure all that out and then they put a tune up in it. And then they save that tune up and that's their good tune up. They might like you hear on Street Outlaws, A to B tune up. Then they got that killer tune up that they think they need so they can win the race. So it's it's kinda like a just it's a it's the sport has changed so much from like when my dad raced, it was all about just getting down the track. Where now in the in the faster categories, the faster you go, you actually do less. He does more with a slower car than those guys do that are going three seconds.
2: I actually yeah. shift.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's another thing those those guys they have they it, not it, it shifts shift. automatically right they got the clutch that engages and they stagger how it engages I right? basically mm-hmm. made my mind up that I will shift
2: the rest of my life because the one time I got into a car well there was there's two different there's three different cars I've driven well four we had the old uh, 70 what was it 74 70 74 duster the, the blue the, one no the orange one that's a 74 74 duster I drove that when I shifted three speed automatic right yeah So then we go, and I'm in the car I am now, which is the same thing, three-speed automatic, no clutch, none of that stuff, because that's way too much work when you got all this other mess going on at the racetrack, right? Um, (laughs) So uh, the other two cars I drove is a car, you know, we busted up ours one time, and a guy named Ken Myrick loaned me his. It's a Datsun. And, you know, I asked him, I said, okay, you know, I'm coming from my car. It's a three-speed automatic. You got to stall it up, and then you got to let it go, and then you got to hit first shift before while the wheels are in the air, and then you got to come down, then hit second shift, now you're driving. Well, yeah, I come up to him, and I'm like, hey, man, just which one's first gear? He said, oh, well, I usually put it in drive. <laughs> and I was like, well, really? He said, yeah, just put it in drive. And he, I said, okay, well, put it in drive. And I said, well, I get out there, and I put it in drive, and it takes off. Boom, I'm not shifting. I'm like, oh, this is just too easy. Well, I run like a half a second off the number. So I asked him, I said, hey, man, where do you stall this thing up? You know, you stall it up right before you leave. Yeah. He said, you know, he said, uh, oh, well, you see them two pieces of tape right there? Now, these two pieces of tape <laughs> were in between the the two and the three. Okay. That's, that doesn't seem like much. So this is just, this is all that RPM and I'm just like yeah he said somewhere in between those two pieces of tape right there you know he stalled it up and uh I, I should have won that race but I can't remember so I think it rained or something yeah, right. it got rained out so then the next time I come back and broke up another car because you know we're racers we're always breaking something um and, uh, and uh, Rico, Extreme, Rico Garner, who's one of the announcers here, and he does a lot of grudge racing and stuff like that. Basically a legend in these he, parts. Yeah, he's been here about yeah, forever. Yeah, he, he's a legend in these parts. I cars. raced
1: him when I was 16.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. He uh, he loaned me one of his cars, and he said, hey, all you got to do is put it in gear and just go. It's going to shift itself. I was like, okay, well, I done had all kinds of trouble. I done busted up my race car. I come out here in a street car, trying to make a lap. I'm leaking water out of the mufflers of my street car. So now I'm basically done. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you try Rico's car? I'm like, all right, fine. So I get up here. First thing that happens, tore the transmission out of it. <laughs> when I was on the starting line, all in the same day. So ever since then, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm probably just going to end up shifting until I get to like one of the, one of the, one of the unless I'm like top fuel or something like that. <laughs> then you're doing
0: it for a living. Yeah. You, you would have been happy. I remember watching, I don't know which one it was, but it did, kind of some older footage of pro stock yeah where it was not a single shifter but it was like they were reaching up and it was they were pulling down <laughs> yeah on the, oh, that's the, linko. the linko. yeah you would have probably you sound like you'd have been happy with that oh i like linkos linkos yeah. are great they have them when you
2: go to those nhra races they used to have them set up where you could just try them out yeah. and i'd sit there all day and just be pulling shifts because it was just a great time they just lined up it's a it's a big old like uh uh a uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a big metal shoebox yeah. sitting beside you, and there's about five or six levers right here. And as you're going down the track, they're all side by side. You're just pulling them, pow, one after the other, boom. And then here comes another one, boom. And it's, yeah, that would be a wonderful time. I always thought those Are
1: just the super coolest. Yeah. They, now the, the NHRA Pro Stockers, they do like a, they still have to shift their cars. Yeah. yeah. And it's a ratchet-type shifter, and... and they're turning those cars like uh, 10, 10.5 10. RPMs, kind of like Formula One, where, you know, Formula One cars are turning huge. But I just wanted to get on the subject of, uh, we talked about the VHT and making it sticky. It's so funny to me to hear, like, I listen to a lot of satellite radio and I listen to NASCAR. And to hear him talking about VHT, <laughs> I want I want to call so bad because they call it track bite or glue or goop or whatever. Yeah, I call PJ it one is PJ one. PJ one is the same yeah. what but, they call it. But man. see, it used to be called VHT. That's why I get that name from because yeah. I'm old school. But yeah, it is PJ one. But it's so funny. Like they were talking about Texas and they said Chase Elliott wrecked because he waited to get up in the glue too soon and it was still stick uh slit. <laughs> and like you know. I got a guy that's been here thirty years that could fix that problem for him real quick. Right now. Yeah, yeah you know they they uh like one guy got on and said well nobody has been up and well then drag some tires on it. Yeah, <laughs> and,
0: you know and then people drag have been doing this for how yeah. many years? Yeah, they NASCAR, no problem. To us.
1: NASCAR and the NHR are gonna get together
2: here soon, and you're gonna see on a NASCAR track. You're gonna you're gonna be mark my words. All you're right. gonna be seeing this at Daytona one time. They're gonna throw that PJ one or at Bristol. And you're going to look up and you're going to see this tractor with four big tires, slick tires on the back of it going, rotating the wrong way. And you're going to take that's me a the and you're going to be like, Kyle, what is that? i would be like, that's the NHRA in NASCAR right there. there. Where's my tickets? It was, it was going to
1: come together eventually. <laughs> oh, it's
2: going to happen. It's well, going see, to they,
1: happen. They, tri- they played around with that years ago because um, the company we get our fuel from, VP Racing, They've had for years, they've had what they call a lane choice thing where some of the small short tracks would use it. And see, I guess because Bruton Smith owns all of those tracks, he's the one that came out with the fact that, yeah, we're going to go to Bristol and we're going to spray some of this stuff on it. Everybody was like, well, what is this sticky stuff? Well, it's been used in drag racing for years. But see, the thing about it is you can dilute it and make it pretty much whatever you want to make it. Like we dilute it during the summer we dilute it like 50/50 with alcohol and that makes it cuz when it gets hot it gets real gooey. Yeah. But then when it gets cold it gets hard. It's like almost like a paste. I've seen this with indoor go-kart races. Right. They, they use something to that effect. Mhm. So you have to make sure you have the right mixture, you know, and we use some stuff that I'm going to have to go buy soon called MEK, methyl ethyl kia tone or something <laughs> you're using too big a word for yeah. me mr <laughs> i just go i just go to sherman williams and say i want some mek there and you know. that stuff what it does is it softens the rubber so in the winter time we use mek on the track and that softens the rubber and then we can still race in like 40 degree temperature oh yeah
0: pretty cool stuff
1: makes it cool it's but you know drag racing has got like a a small i wouldn't say a cult like fan base but no, we're not as big as drag racing, but, I mean, it's NASCAR and Circle Track, and I'd love to get the kind of people that come to Ace Speedway on a Friday night to come. Like, I, we grind it out here. And, like, yeah. one thing about our sport that we can do that I don't know of, of any other type of form of racing, you can come here on Thursday night from 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock. You can bring anything you want and race. And I've been here over 30 years. I have seen snowmobiles. I have seen guys with lawnmowers, I've That'd seen cool. junior dragsters, I've seen cars with shopping carts on the top of them. Jets in my trucks, jets in my in trucks. trucks, anything. You can race anything and that's the fun thing about our sport that you know and just like we see all these NASCAR tracks making all this stuff so that the drivers are fan accessible. Drag racing's been like that for years.
0: Yeah, I was about to say you walk up uh, in the pits. And every, talk mo- to them. most drag races you hear advertised on TV, they say every ticket's a pit pass, and because yeah, it is, mm-hmm. you and, walk up and, and, and in it's there. crazy. To, and it's crazy because
2: a lot of people still don't necessarily get that. Like you know, you always try to bring new people into your sport. You know, and you hear for years they say what we do is not a spectator sport. Well, in some cases it is, in some cases it isn't. You know what I'm saying? If I'm if if I got a brand new friend of mine that wants to come to a drag race, yeah, I could bring him to a Sunday bracket race where there's literally three people in the stands, or and you know a bunch of cars just making laps, making laps, making laps. Or I could bring him to the big dog, where you got people in the stands, you got three second cars, you got people all over the place, all kinds of vendors, and a party going on. And that's what you kind of want to, you know, you want you want to ease them into drag racing. You know what I'm saying? You want to show them the good stuff and then later on you would like to get them into what we do. You know right. what I mean?
1: Bracket racing's more of a participation sport. Right. You know, it's, it's for you, the driver. Yeah. It's not very much fun to watch. And I'll be honest with you because, you know, I run the place and I've been around drag racing a lot. For the person that really loves racing, bracket racing is great to watch and they can sit there and watch it for days. But for the average fan, they might say, I don't understand why that car's way out there and the other one's behind him, yeah. and he's got to catch up with him. They just understand the heads-up, flat-out part of it. And I kind of look at it, equate it to, like, uh, what's the class of mini stock at Ace?
0: Yeah, four-cylinder rear drive. Right.
1: You know, I, I thought about it one time. I didn't ever tell Kyle, but I thought seriously about it one time, getting into that, because I was like, that looks like that could be fun, you know, mm-hmm. a couple hundred bucks or whatever it takes to get a car and run, but... One thing, drag racing is still, is still about the most affordable form of racing you can do. Yeah. Because, like, we got a car. We race it. Our tires cost us about $450 for a set of rear tires. Last a whole season. Even, like, they got tires now that, that do over 300 runs. And we do, like, maybe 150 runs in a season. So a pretty good lifespan. Yeah, it got a great lifespan on them. Of course, your front tires never do wear out, so you can run them all you want. If you take care of your engine... You're finding, like on our engine, we never leaned on it all year, so we've really been kind of babying it. You know, we hadn't run it wide open but like, twice. Yeah. even touched it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was, it's, it's funny because, see, when I come to Piedmont, I'm either racing or testing. So if I'm racing, I've got it set up for what I need. When I'm testing, I've got it set up for what I've got coming up. So they had never kind of seen me come here with the new motor and... Setting it up. When I do seven flat, when I'm running seven flat back before we got the new tires, though, the old tires were straight up garbage. I'm sorry, but they were. Uh, we got some new tires. I like how you looked at yeah, the car owner yeah, before you said they that.
1: Were, they were garbage. <laughs> how, they, how much was, did they cost?
2: They cost zero dollars. They cost zero dollars, but the guy made good on them because the tires we got now that work perfectly, we got them from the same guy. Okay. It was never a dig on the guy, okay? Yeah. Um, But those tires were wore out, and you know, when I set it up for seven flat, I would load the trunk up with the weight. So when I leave the start line, boom, I'm putting the wheels in the air and shifting first to second with the wheels in the air. And it was so funny because when I come here, like I said, I'm always testing or racing so nobody ever seen that. The first time I came out here about midway through the year and I finally set that car up to do what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Man, you see videos, people clapping and people from the NC State engineers coming up and talking to me, talking about all these different numbers and fancy words, and I'm just sitting there feeling like a dummy, like, I go fast. Yeah. <laughs> I, go, I go fast yeah. on the racetrack, and it's just, it, it, it's is, it's a really good thing to see, because like yeah. you said, we haven't even, we haven't even touched our potential yet. Yeah, I was about to say,
0: <laughs> well, let me shift gears, talking about potential, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see, because yeah. you're third generation. You're second generation. So it seems like it's, it's been there for a while. Tell me about where it started. Tell me tell me about if someone came off the street and saw you, Kyle, running and see you running the place and like on the Facebook page it says Sonny Shipman Motorsports. Right. For someone like me that doesn't, doesn't know that name understand who that man was, give me a little bit of insight into to who he was.
1: Well, um, my dad was... Uh, not the most model citizen in high school. He would go to other high schools to visit my mom and any other women he wanted to. And, <laughs> and he was bad. And the <laughs> teachers and the principals all realized that. But he had a mechanical ability. He knew how to work on cars and stuff. And he loved racing. Well, what do you do when you got a kid that loves something, but you want to keep him somewhere else? Get you, him somewhere to do it. Right. So that's what they did. I don't know how many people they did it to, but they actually bought him a race car. We still got that car. It's uh, It was a front engine dragster. And they told him, they said, Sonny, if you will come to school every day and stay in school and do your work, we'll let you work on this car and then you can race it. And so they had like a- Wow. Automotive tech class or whatever. And so that's where he said he got started. He became a model citizen. His, his main job was to work on his race car, keep his lessons going, and keep the school buses going. Because back then, the schools were integrated. And a lot of times, the, the black schools didn't always get all the good parts. Yeah. So he'd go and like ride with the school class to Raleigh for, for like a, a field trip which he wasn't even in the class but he was there to keep the bus running they needed somebody to work on it yeah they,
0: they couldn't depend on yeah he a said, friendly person being there to right help
1: so he, he'd take the bus and ride with him like one time i think they said the bus driver told him said sonny uh we ain't got no brakes and he said well just get it over to the curb and they were close to wherever they were going and he said y'all go ahead and go do your thing and when you come back i'll have it fixed so he worked on it so wow. that's where he started and then uh He'd come to Piedmont and race, and uh, back then in the day, they'd tell him, say, if they had some fancy people racing like Ronnie Sox and all of them, they might say, "Sonny, you can't race today. We we can't have no nobody like you racing. We just, you know, you can't race today. You're not got the right on. right color." So, oh, geez. so, but he loved it so much that he'd come and watch. He was so enthusiastic about it. Well, Ronnie Sox and all of them took a liking to him, and then they let him do stuff for him, and he'd hang around their shop, and he started getting more and doing more things with racing and then he went to uh Chrysler and and moved up the ranks and Chrysler actually gave him parts to run cars and he ended up uh being a a manager of a professional team called Brooklyn Heavy this was a guy out of New York who owned the race cars and uh, he hired Herb McCandless to be his driver and dad was like the team manager and also made sure driving the truck and stuff to the to the track so him and Herb was real good friends and they tour all over the country racing, so he got into that and then um I don't know if I'm going forward or back, but now after Brooklyn Heavy got done, uh Heavy had to go somewhere and stay for a while, if you know what I mean. Yeah, (laughs) he needed to go pay a debt. Right, pay a debt, there you go. (laughs) So Dad and them got to racing on their own. He had a sixty eight barracuda. He raced in A modified. Well Dad would race, and he went to these big races, and, like, he went to one, and there was three cars left in the race, only down to three. Dad's car's running great. The other two guys have got problems with their cars. It's obvious he's going to win the race. He's going to win a national event, the biggest thing you can win. Gets in his car, tries to crank it, and that old Hemi said, Oh, no. So it was a stick car. So he told the guys with him, he said, Hey, man, give me a push. So they gave him a push, cranked up. Goes up to the starting line of the race. The official stands up there in front of him and says, cut it off. Dad has cut it off. Oh, said, now man. crank it up. Dad said, well, you know it ain't going crank. did <laughs> crank back that." He says, well, you're out. And they said, well, why are you throwing me out? He said, because you're not allowed push starts. Well, the rule book says no push start. But what they meant was not having a vehicle behind you to push you. Didn't say anything about a couple guys giving you a push and it jumps it off. Yeah. You know? So he did that. And he got upset, and he chased that guy around with a water bucket, the official, and tried to beat him up. I can't say I blame him. he yeah. I mean, got, got cheated. Yeah. Well, then it got worse. Uh, he went to the next race, and he got down to the semis again, and something else happened. I don't know what it was. His car broke. Well, then the official, the, the head of the sanctioning body, was Larry Carrier, the owner of Bristol Dragway. He owned the International Hot Rod Association. He went up to Sonny, and he said, Sonny, yeah, tough deal with this racing thing. Dad said, yeah, I'm about sick of it. And he said, well, why don't you come work for me? So At Thunder different. Valley? Well, actually for the International Hot Rod Association. Okay. So uh, Dad said, okay. So Dad became the first African-American official in IHRA history. Wow. And there was only one other man in NHR that started before he did. So he was the second one. And so he'd go all over the country as an official and doing that. And then he went to... Uh, he bought his own racetrack at Roxborough, and then he did that for a long time. And then he retired. And Is it
2: true that he, he, he won Roxborough in a poker game? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. That would
1: have been too good. Yeah,
2: that, yeah. I, I, I heard the story that he, like, the guy, he won a poker game, and the guy was like, I'll settle up with you later. And he wrote down some details on a napkin, and then – he come to find out the napkin was the rights to Roxborough. I don't know. Maybe it was somebody that, else. That I would have been a really good story. That would have been a
1: good story. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he bought Roxborough. And then after he got out of that, he had some tough times at Roxborough. But, you know, he overall, he did a lot of things. He was the first one to put on a, a big money race, which was $10,000 to win. At the time, in the 70s, that was unheard of. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, he did all that racing. And, and of course, he got out of the official in business, but ran the racetrack. And then he kind of retired from it. And then... We came back together when I was talking about racing and running stock, and we raced, but uh, he was inducted in the Roxborough Hall of Fame in 2006, and then he was inducted in the North Carolina Drag Racing Hall of Fame in 2008. Him and Herb McCallus, they were in the second class, and we still do the Hall of Fame. I'm on the Hall of Fame nomination committee, and we do it each year, where we nominate, and uh, we put the, uh, have the nominees come to the Greensboro Coliseum. During the Shriners Expo, Drag Racing Expo, and they come in and we've got people like uh, Rick Hendricks in it, uh, Richard Petty's in it.
0: You know something crazy? What? My uncle's in it.
1: Who is that? Uh,
0: Bert Schaffner. Yeah! Schaffner.
1: Got yeah. It a couple of years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Small freaking world. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> He's in it. I remember that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. But uh, the North Carolina, he was in, dad was in the second class of the Hall of Fame. They started in 2007 and he got in in 2008. Uh, mainly probably on his officiating because he went from being just a, a water box guy, basically back then with, with equal opportunities and stuff, it just looked real good to have a black man on the starting line. You know, like, hey, yeah. man, they're progressive. They're doing yeah, they, <laughs> he,
0: he was He was basically being token. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly.
1: And then it came to they figured out, well, he knows what he's doing. And he ended up, when he left, he was in a, he was one of only two race directors, which meant he That's was in charge guy. of the whole race. Yeah. He'd go around the country doing the races and everything. And that's when I learned how to be a race director. And, you know, I'd probably say I'm better at the hands-on part of running a race than I am all of the other stuff the like the sponsorship. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hate that stuff. You know, I was writing rules today for a big dog, and I hate doing that stuff. Because, one, I don't know all of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I got a rule director, a tech director, and he sends them to me. And all I do is make sure that they make sense to me. And, you know, if it makes sense, it's cool. But... I like doing getting the race run because I like my job is to make sure like on Big Dog Night we got a small window we start at about 5:30 5 o'clock and you got curfew to run against curfew at 11 and we're usually done by 10 and that's doing three round two rounds of qualifying in Big Dog three rounds of racing we also have Outlaw Door Slammer class which usually averages about 35 to 40 cars that's usually a seven round race. We got Kyle's class, which is real street. That's usually about a five-round race. Then we got another class called 6-0, where they run off a 6-0 index. That's usually a five-round race, and I get to get all that done by 10 o'clock. And that's you're all Boy, anybody. you're busy. <laughs> and all
2: anybody ever wants to see is big dog. Yep. So big dog's got to be the priority. You see, that's, yeah, that's... that's that's what you learn. That I mean, you learn that you know coming through drag racing because you know the, like you said, the show is the show. You know, people don't come to the big dog to watch Rico's real street. It's cool to see them but at the end of the day the hardest part of the job is getting all that done but then at the end of the day you got to say okay the big dog finals got to be done at what nine o'clock
1: uh, 9 30, 30 10 o'clock i'm trying to have it done yeah but you know it's a lot of times a lot of people will start to equate to the guys running in the slower classes because it's pretty cool like in a in our real street class we've had guys with a uh, guy with a tesla hundred thousand dollar electric car racing against people like Kyle. yeah come back
2: if you hear this come (laughs) back this guy you want another run of that i I never got to run him oh he come in here and first of all you got to realize you know it's just like motorsports at at an amateur level anyway bunch of good old boys okay bunch of good old boys we're down here having a A couple jerks every now and again but hey it is what it is right well this guy shows up with the gut with the tesla first of all so Which one
0: was it? Was it like the it black was, one? Or no, it was, it was, was the, the long white, white one. White,
2: like P one eight hundred or something like that. I don't know. The Tesla Tom knows. It didn't make no noise. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. So now everybody, everybody thinks he's cheating. And so I, he come to me like, Kyle, don't you think he's cheating? He was holding something up on the steering wheel. It was like a trans brake. I was like, dude, I don't think he's cheating. I just... And this was my theory on it. My theory is it's an electric car. It's like a battery. You ain't got to worry about over revving it. So what's he doing? it? He's holding the brake. He's holding it all the way down to the floor. And when the tree comes on, boom, he's letting it go.
1: Actually, ain't even... actually, he wouldn't. What was he doing? He just he couldn't he couldn't do that. It wouldn't let it. Oh, really? Yeah, on, on his car because he didn't have the newest model. Yeah, he has got a limiter he, on that. Yeah, thing. he couldn't power break it. Yeah, so he just stabbed it. He really? was doing that just by stab. He's guessing a the lot. Yeah, there's no delay in back. his throttle response. Uh, I
2: need him to come back because the thing is this He got a YouTube channel and it was called the Tesla Racing Channel. I don't know where he went I think he used to live in High Point. No, he lived actually in Hickory. Hickory, Hickory. Hickory. Yeah. And uh, I need him to come back because he put out a YouTube video basically saying, you know, oh, I'm thinking about running this class full time this year. He went to, uh, what, two finals and won a race. Mm -hmm. And my thing is this, okay, you came and you ran our class and that's a good time. But if you're going to bite into the burger, don't just get the bread and say it's the best burger I ever had. Get into the meat, get into the cheese. (laughs) Meat and cheese, meaning myself, Ken Myrick, who beat him in the finals, you know, a lot of these guys now, you know, they've got come a long way. So, I would love to see that car come back and run. And just get a chance to run them in competition. I ran them one time in qualifying. They
0: could have beat him. All they had to do was steal his cord. I could tell he, yeah. I could tell he's the driver because he's the one calling somebody out I on the a podcast. To come back.
2: <laughs> I don't even think he's going to hear it. I was it,
1: Charles, was it? Yeah, his name Charles. Charles Courier or something like yep. that. I don't know. He's got a real cool name. Yeah he, he would Got call a cool me up. car too. Uh-huh. Yeah. He called me up it was funny. He called me up. He said, "Hey Kevin, this is Charles." I said, "What's up, buddy? Are you racing this way. Yeah, I want to race, but uh Have y'all got a 50 amp breaker out there? <laughs> you got to charge that. <laughs> night. Yeah, he said. Yeah. I said, "Yeah, cuz before he come and racing, he didn't know we had one. So I asked him one night he was picking up his little winnings and then I said, "What what do you do about charging?" He says, "Well, I drive from here to Hick from from Hickory to here." And I run all night, and then when I get through, I run over to the movie theater, and I charge it up, and then I drive home. The then it's, Crossing. Yeah, yeah. The Crossing.
0: Well, you know what? We could probably do a whole podcast just on what the Tesla's going to do no, oh the gosh. more it gets into racing. I don't even want to talk about them no more. We'll yes, it's
1: <laughs> it's kind of scary, because <laughs> on, my, on my side of it, the safety side... It's going to be a lot different. Oh, we've already been schooled on it last year that we can't put out the fire. Oh. the fires on those batteries we don't have nothing to put them out that's the scary thing about people riding in these things down the road, they don't know what they're riding on. They just know it's
0: quote unquote better for the environment. They, they showed us a that. video
1: of the battery catching on fire and every time they put it out, and we got some pretty good stuff, we got fire aid and all you that stuff. You have to, you yeah. got people's lives in your hands mm-hmm. We They shot fire aid on it and that thing just kind of backed up a little bit and then blazed up again. It just uh-huh. had to fizzle itself out so uh, I don't dude. know NHRA may in the future say they don't allow Tesla. heck they've done it before they did it with the brand new Chrysler for a long time they wouldn't let the Hellcat run yeah because we've got some street production cars that come here and they'll run we've got a rule now because it used to be we we said the rule was if you ran quicker than seven flat you had to have a roll cage and guys wouldn't come because they're like man I don't want to cut up my car it's too fast you know it's a brand new car So now they've changed the rule to where we can let them run 640s. And then usually they can't run much faster than that without, and they say you can run at least 640 with a street car. So we got people driving cars in off the street and running that fast. And what it is, is I was born in 64, so I didn't get to see that heyday. But there was a heyday back in the day, like in the early 60s, where you could go to the showroom and buy a car right off the street and go race it. And see, it's like that now, again, with the Copos and the Cobra Jets. And the drag pack cars from Mopar, yeah. you can go and order that car. And that's a hundred and some grand. You got to have some yeah, deep you better, pockets. Yeah,
0: you better know somebody, some rich up relative mm-hmm. somebody.
1: You got to have some deep pockets. But you can get out there and we can go buy a car right now, $120,000, and be racing it next week. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's good to know that you can do that because the the manufacturers are getting back into it. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. That's one and of the cool brings things more about racers, it. And
2: racers, like you said, to that Real Street class. We grew just because people come to say big dog or just come up here on test and tune night just running those cars, like he's talking about, they just bought it off the showroom floor, brought it out to Piedmont, and said, Hey, my car is fast enough to run that class. Boom, next thing we know, we got 30 cars in our class when we're used to running what 16.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the real street
1: class has actually been going on. Uh, it's only the well, besides bracket racing, which has been here for years, yeah, a big dog. Was started in '96, and I think Real Street started in '98. Those are two classes that are still going strong. The longest running. Mm-hmm. Those guys are still running the same car that they ran back in '98. Still running. Parts. Might have just painted it. That's all.
0: Well, man, if nothing else, if nobody knew about. It, if they didn't know about drag racing before this, they just got a whole lot of education. Oh yeah, and come on out to Piedmont. Yeah, and come watch you some. <laughs> come out to Piedmont. Go
2: follow our Facebook page. I'm not really big on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like it that ain't worth yet. It. Yeah, yeah, maybe when I get a little bigger and I got some help to run all these social media. But you got pages, a kid now, now hey, yeah, you can put your kids fit up right on this. Well, when he gets old enough, he's going to be much more tech savvy than I am. Yeah. So he's going <laughs> to take care of all that. But uh, Facebook page, Sunny Shipman Motorsports. Um, on Facebook, go give us a like and a follow. We got GoPro videos of me in the car. Um, Lucas Oil. We got to give a shout out to Lucas Oil. Um, hooked us up with a sponsorship. Tom Bogner. Tom Bogner. Um, Hunt Tree Hunt, Service. N- car owner. Car owner. Yeah, yeah, car owner, truck driver, PR director. Kevin Shipman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Hunt Tree Service Incorporated. Um, uh is there anybody sloan racing, sloan racing engine racing engines. Sloan maybe i should racing just engines. point the mic toward yeah, him yeah sloan racing <laughs> engines built my motor for me um roy hill drag, roy racing, hill drag school. racing school Um uh,
1: get yeah, piedmont take it away nah, just he's about got it all you know we, we got some fine partners with us that, that help us out in this sport and the biggest thing i always say about this sport round track and a lot of things I break things down into two categories. There's want to and have to. Yeah. Okay. You want, you have to buy your insurance. You have to pay for your house. You have to go to the grocery store and you got to get food. You want to go to the racetrack. So in my sport, and it's a want to sport, I got to do things twice as good because it's a want to. Yeah. You know, you got a 20, you got an extra $20. Are you going to spend it on buying an extra pair of shoes? Are you going to come to Piedmont and watch Big Dog? So I better be good enough to wake somebody want to come out here, and like I tell them all the time, you had a lot of things you could have done with your time and your money, and you decided to spend it at Piedmont Dragway, and we greatly appreciate it. And if Kyle
0: Shipman ever gets some T-shirts, what we're spending on a T-shirt?
2: Yeah, I will get so, some. I'm gonna right. get some. I'm gonna get some made. I gotta <laughs> hit. I gotta hit up my home girl Amanda. She's like in L.A. right now or something yeah. like that. So. I always told somebody, I said, when I get enough orders for them, then I'll make them. I'm not just going to be out here selling them out of the trunk of my car. Hey, I, got, I got race car parts to go buy. I ain't got yeah. time.
0: To- <laughs> you, you have to buy race car parts. I had a guy on Facebook message me
2: about uh, getting an autograph. Yeah. So I'm gonna start. I'm probably going to get a P.O. box or something and get some hero cars with me posing with my helmet. <laughs>
0: there you go. Just we'll do the high school senior pose.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah. I'm a drag racer. So it's not going to be in my fire suit. I have a T-shirt on. It's all that's, good.
1: that's a funny story, I'll, I'll let y'all go, but um, we were in Michigan racing, and we got there late, and we were at a national event, and so the guy parked us in the pro pits, right beside of him. Okay. So I'm sitting there, and Dad went somewhere off, and I'm, he comes back, and he sees me with a Sharpie in my hand, he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm signing autographs. He said, "You're a stalker." <laughs> well, you're autographs. I said, Your "I don't said know." Yes, yeah, I yeah. said, "I don't know why I'm signing autographs." People are coming up to me and wanting me to sign. Well, I didn't figure it out until then that I was in the pro pit area, so I was signing everybody's t-shirts. People walking around with t-shirts with Kevin Shipman and I Crate Motor on them. Yep, <laughs> <All right. laughs> whatever. But that was pretty funny. Top
2: ten right. driver in the world in 2001. 2002. 2002 top <laughs> ten <laughs> driver rookie of uh, the year nominee kevin shipman you he got he, yeah. he humbles himself yeah. uh, i'm not here. humble yeah.
0: i'm good well, you know what <laughs> i think i think that's a good note to end this one on Absolutely. i think this is gonna be good one. i appreciate y'all taking appreciate time out. have us right.
2: back anytime man we'll yeah. bring some people better at drag racing than i am they're gonna be nah, fine <laughs> <laughs> we'll, all,
1: we'll get you we'll get you next time on the grudge game they got a whole grudge side of but yeah. they, you have to beep them out because they do do a lot of. Uh, yeah, i we'll
0: got do my, the explicit
2: look, content yeah, tag for that. We'll get one. the Sensor Bleep app on our phones for that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: They ask for W 2s and everything. They want to see how much money you make before they race you and all this stuff. It's yeah, pretty but, funny.
0: Yeah. We'll need a whole hour for that one. Yeah, yeah thank all you. All right, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Half Price Concessions Podcast. Please help us out and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to give us a rate and review if you can to let us know how much you're enjoying our episodes. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day. And don't forget, you can also listen to episodes of the Half Price Concessions podcast without downloading the apps. Just go to hpc podcast. Thank you and have a blessed one this time.